You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget here on Moody Radio 89.3. Well, it's something we all use. We can use them for good or for bad. I'm talking about our words. The power of words is what we're talking about with Becky Harling, who is an author. The Extraordinary Power of Praise is one of her latest books. And we're talking about and going through some of the scriptures that tell us about the life and death we have in our tongues. Becky, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, guys. I'm happy to be with you. You know, as we talk about the power of words, one of the most powerful things we could do is actually kind of stop and just listen. Isn't it true? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think, you know, the average person uses 7,000 words per day. So in 7,000 words, there's a lot of room for error, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the greatest gifts we can give people is to just really listen and focus in on what they're saying and not try to push our views or whatever. You know, we're living in such a polarized society right now. People have very strong opinions about all manner of things. And often our words, we we are using our words to try to convince others of our view, whatever our view is. But if we would just stop and listen, we would end up communicating a whole lot more like Jesus, I believe. And Scripture has so much to say. You've given us some key verses about this topic. One of the first places you take us is Colossians 4 and 6. What does this say, and how do we need to kind of make this a prayer as we move into this Monday? Yeah, so uh, uh, Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you know how to answer everyone. And that word always gets us, doesn't it? Because it says we're always supposed to be full of grace. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not always full of grace, right? I have my moments. And yet that's the challenge for us, like to ask the Holy Spirit to allow our conversations to be full of grace. Yeah, yeah, but it says we'll know how to answer everyone in that situation. We might not know the answer to everything, but if we answer gracefully or with that, uh, with grace as the uh, out front of that conversation, we know at that point that we how to answer somebody. That's the way. Uh, I guess that's one thing that's helpful. There is we might not know the answer, but we know that we're supposed to be grace filled as we do that answer. Yeah, and it doesn't say, you know, answer them with the right answer. It says it's supposed to be full of grace. And so it's not about um, proving your point. It's about offering people grace. And I love that. Well, the other verse that you take us to, Ephesians 4.29, tells us that we can actually do something proactive with our words. We can build people up. Yes, and I think that that's really key. I think what if we all committed for the next month, every day, we're going to lift up and encourage at least one person. I mean, I think of all the people in my world, neighbors, friends, family members, there are so many discouraged people right now. But that's a powerful way to use our words to encourage others. You know, a couple of years ago for my birthday, my husband, Steve, um, started in the weeks before my birthday, and I would wake up and 
find a sticky note on the coffee maker that would say, I love you. Happy week before your birthday. You know, I love the way you um, smile at people, you know, and then the next day I found another sticky note on my bathroom mirror. I love the way you um, are joyful and so positive. And, you know, this went on and on. And I, I started affectionately calling it sticky note love, but it really encouraged my heart, you know, because we all need encouragement and we mm-hmm. we have the power in our tongue to do that you know that's what you just said there is interesting because he wasn't actually saying anything he was writing something our words whether it could be a text message or an email those are things we need to watch out also we're not just talking what's coming out of our mouth are we right exactly and i think um a sensitive point but i i do need to bring it up is you, we need to really watch our words on social media, you know? Um, what if the rule for social media was, I'm only going to post what's encouraging to other people, you know, what's going to bring them hope, what's going to bring them joy, what's going to show the love of Christ, rather than blasting other people. So our words, um, you know, yes, they, we think of our tongue, but we also think of our written words. Mm-hmm. And our emails, our text messages, all of those can be used to encourage one another. We're talking with Becky Harling this morning on the power of our words. I think this can be kind of a convicting conversation, Becky, for some of us as we think back at the times where we haven't used our words in the right way. And we wish we can take those back. I know Proverbs twelve eighteen and 19 is another verse that you say we've really got to look at here. Yeah, because it says that the words of a reckless person are like swords, you know, and I I have seen this a lot and I, I've done it myself. You know, you send that email too quickly and then you think, ah, I want to pull it back, mm. you know, but it's too late. It's gone in outer space. And, you know, or you see posts on social media again, you know, reckless words just tearing other people down. But those words that are reckless like that, they're like swords. They're hurting people. And that's not God's goal for us. As a parent, um, the, those, that, that 12th chapter of Proverbs, 18 and 19 there, that can be very hurtful for us because we, in anger, sometimes say things and we're like, oh, I wish I could have pulled that back. And it, it can affect our children, can it? Oh, it definitely can. And I think for parents, um, the goal is always gentleness. However, we're human, and there are going to be times where we mess up and say words to our kids that we wish we hadn't said. However, that really offers us the opportunity to get down on our knees before them and say, hey, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? You know, it was interesting because our kids are now all adults. And several years ago, we met with them and we said, okay, guys, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? We just want you to be honest with us. Wow. That was not, why would you do that? (laughs) Well, well, because we really value our relationships with them. And if there was anything we needed to apologize for, we wanted to do it. The number one thing they said we did right was we apologized when we were wrong. Mm. (laughs) And so that, you know, it sends a powerful message because I think sometimes parents maybe hesitate to apologize when they really need to, you know, because you want that relationship strong. You want it strongly connected so that your kids grow up to love and follow Jesus. 
But it's not just the parent-child uh, relationship, the husband and wife relationship as well. Words are so powerful here. You talk about Proverbs 15, verse 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, uh, but perseverance, uh, perverseness, actually, in it breaks the spirit. So this is a powerful tool for man and wife, too. Oh, my word, yes. Because if you think about it, those of our listeners who are married— Where's the place where you most often blow it with your tongue? <laughs> it's likely in your marriage, right? Because you're, that person is the closest to you and things can get angry or heated in an argument and, and you can say things that you really regret. And so we, we have to really be careful with our tongues. And when we're in a conflict with our spouse, we need to shift our focus to try to set our focus on understanding what our spouse is saying and staying curious in that rather than proving our point. Well, lastly, uh, for this uh, that you get sent us, it's Matthew 15, verse 11, uh, talking about what comes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out, (laughs) that's what defiles them. Um, That, if you think about that, it can be, you know, if you're eating something, uh, that's just food. But then if you get sick, what comes out could be very nasty. I mean, just that thought process in your mind, um, it helps us understand how words can affect us also, doesn't it? It, it really does. And, you know, Jesus knew that this was going to be a problem for us. I mean, he he walked with the 12 disciples for three years. And, you know, you think about Peter, who often would say the first thing that came to his mind, you know, and in one place, Jesus is saying, yes, what you said is true. And God gave you this. And on this, I'm going to build my church. And then the next moment, he's saying, get thee behind me, Satan, to Peter, because Peter's, you know, trying to talk him out of being going to the cross. And and so Jesus is saying, like, look, we, we have to watch our words. And honestly, this doesn't take human effort. We have to ask the Holy Spirit every single day, moment by moment, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill my words with love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience. Fill me with wisdom for how to use my words to build others up. Fill me with restraint when I should just keep silent and let you speak to that person. Fill me with yourself. Well, we talked about this earlier, but when it comes to our communication and our words, there are three things that you want us to really keep in mind. And the first thing sometimes is the last thing that we think about, and that is to listen. But then you say we've got to, after we've listened and as we're talking, we've got to offer something. What is that thing? Yeah, we need to offer empathy. Empathy is the ability to show another person or to say to another person, give them that feeling, your feelings make sense to me, you know, um, and Jesus offered empathy. A lot of people think of empathy as walking in another person's shoes. Well, when you think of Jesus, Jesus came to earth and walked in our shoes. So he had great empathy for us. Uh, and, and let me give you an example of how not to do this. Last week I was in a conversation with one of my daughters and she said, um, Oh mom, I feel so overwhelmed by all the work I have to do for my master's program. And at the moment I was overwhelmed with my own stuff. And I was like, Oh, 
Me too. And I went into, yeah, I'm overwhelmed with all these deadlines. That's not empathy because that took the story away from her. So then I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I need to keep this focused on you, you know? So when you empathize with another person, it's like, wow, Steph, that must feel overwhelming. I don't know how you're keeping up with all of this. And that, it, that sounds like a lot of work to do, you know. And what I'm trying to communicate to her is your feelings make sense to me. Empathy is one of the greatest gifts you can give someone. For your spouse, the arm around the shoulder or the hand in your hand, that's, that says more than the words a lot of times, doesn't it? Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, when you're when your spouse is opening up to you, I think a lot of us can try to jump into fix it mode. Oh, I have the answer. Let me fix your problem. But that's not what your spouse wants. They want to be able to process whatever it is they're going through. And they want somebody walking alongside of them that says, wow, you know, that sounds really hard or really painful and really shows them that you understand the feelings they're dealing with. We're, we've been married almost 30 years and I'm almost there. I've almost figured that one out. <laughs> it's take, it's taken for, it takes a long time and I might not ever get it, but I'm working on it. <laughs> you know, I, we've been married 43 years and we're still figuring it right. out. <laughs> oh, thanks for the encouragement. Wait, you're supposed to give me empathy. That wasn't very good. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's right. speaking to the reality. All right. So you talked about not trying to fix it, go into fix it mode. Instead of doing that, seek to affirm and encourage. That's always the right next move, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Because again, as I say, people are dying for a little bit of encouragement. And, you know, there's so many practical ways you can bring this into the conversation. You know, I, you can say to your spouse, wow, I really value this about you, or I really, the thing that I love the most about you is, you know, this or that or the other thing. Last week we were talking and my husband was um, just sharing some of the challenges. Uh, He's the CEO of an organization of a mission thing. And um, he was sharing uh, some of the challenges that he was walking through. And I said, you know, babe, what I know about you is you have such a gift of wisdom. And I know that God is going to lead you in this moment by moment and give you what you need at the right moment, because your gift of wisdom is, is evident, you know, and, and I think he just needed the reminder, you know, like this is a gift you have. And we all need those reminders. You know, when I feel like I can't finish you know, a manuscript on time, he will say, no, no, you can, because God has called you to this, Beck, and he will give you the words, you know, and you'll finish on time. And I think we all are just looking for that affirmation and encouragement. Affirmation really affirms the person for some quality you see in their life. You know, as a family, we do this at birthdays. Now we have 14 grandkids and it's a blast, you know, and so we're trying to teach the grandkids to do this too. When it's your birthday, everybody affirms you. They all say things they see in your life that we all love, you know, so Noah, you're so brave and strong and we love how kind you are to, you know, your sisters or whatever. So that those affirmations are huge. It sounds like such a small thing, but it really sticks with the kids and it, it sticks with adults too. Mm. And I think the, 
you have to force yourself almost to start doing that, but it becomes kind of habit forming once you begin it. And more and more you're affirming people as you, as you go through your day without even realizing you're doing it. Yes, that's true. And I think it starts with kind of like a goal. Okay. (laughs) For the next 30 days, I'm going to encourage at least three people every day, you know, and, so, you know, you're maybe in the line for coffee and you affirm the barista, hey, thanks for all the work you put into my drink or whatever. And, you know, maybe you're at the register at the grocery store and the cashier is frazzled. Hey, thanks for all you do around here. I, you're, you know, what you're seeing with your affirmations is I see you and I value you. And that's really something we all desire. And our words can really be a gift to the people around us. Becky, thank you so much for your encouragement today. Again, the power of words is what we've been talking about. You can get a link to Becky Harling's website and some of the books that she's written that she's used her words really well to encourage us. So, Becky, thank you so much again. Thank you. It's been great to be with you guys.